Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And Lake Kick is live. It is Tuesday, July 19th, the year of our Lord, 2022, day two of SEC Media Days, high atop downtown stormy Atlanta, Georgia. You will never see me happier. You will never see me more engaged. I could work in this industry 50 more years, but we got Nick Saban on the show. At the same time, a massive bow echo has moved through downtown Atlanta. We've got a broad view of the skyline. There are trees blowing left and right. A tempest. You know how rarely I use that term, a tempest upon us here in downtown. And our crew, even in the last two minutes, able to get a shot. I cannot hey, convey to you enough that it's not coming through fully in what you see on this shot. But it is a beautiful, beautiful day to be in Atlanta. No one else on the street thinks so, but I think so. So that's what's happening outside. What's been happening inside the Omni and the SEC entire media days set up here, including the Hall of Fame, is Nick Saban in Alabama rolled into town today. Now, you know we've had Nick Saban on the show a couple of times, but you know what we haven't been able to do? We haven't been able to sit down with him and have him on the show face-to-face. So we figured, you know, why not? Coin landed on heads. Let's decide to have Nick Saban on the show. And so he joined us for a good 10 minutes, and we covered a variety of topics that I wanted to get a little bit more in-depth on. Specifically, I think he gives a really brutally honest answer about scheduling, brutally honest answer about NIL. You don't need to hear me tell you that, though. Here is Nick Saban from earlier today. Alabama head coach Nick Saban rolling through SEC media days. You're almost at the finish line here, and I assume you've been asked the same thing about a million times. Has there been anything today where you just get tired of saying, I don't know, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know what's going to happen, because I've heard that a lot lately. Well, there's a lot of hypothetical questions being asked about what's going to happen in the future, and I don't think anybody really has uh, a clear view of the solution um, about the future. So um, I don't really have the answer to it either. So I have been saying, I don't know. A lot of people want to talk about NIL. And one of the themes I've started to hear you mix in a lot more is who's protecting the players. And you talk about the NFL structure a lot. And you've got an agent. You've got structure. And everyone knows what they can do. NIL is kind of what NIL is right now. But when you talk about the need to protect players, what specifically do you mean? Uh, exactly what you said. You know, um, you know, there's more and more people trying to get between the player and the money. Uh, these people have to have no qualifications. Um, who knows what kind of advice and direction they're giving to players, how they're protecting players from signing, you know, deals that may not be in their best interest or, you know, may create future problems for them in terms of other things that they're doing. You know, college guys are still student-athletes. You know, where they're involved in personal development, they're involved in academics, they're involved in developing a career off the field, they're involved in, you know, developing a career on the field. Um, so, um, you know, like you said, the NFL has a players association. Players association govern, govern agents uh, to protect the players. Our players in college don't have anyone to protect them. 
uh, and make sure the people who are representing them are qualified to do that. Competitive balance is a phrase a lot of people outside this world have used for a long time, just about watching some of the haves and have-nots. It's a theme I've heard you hit on a lot lately. Sometimes when people hear the big dog say competitive balance, they look and say, but they already win. Why would he talk about that? And yet, I heard you today. I've heard you recently. You've said, look, we're one of the haves. So it's not necessarily us being victimized. So when you extend it beyond Alabama, if nothing changes, what's the ultimate outcome of maybe the path of sports on? Well, the ultimate outcome is going to become all about money. And the ultimate outcome will move away from development uh, of college students. We, we all went to college to develop value for our future. Is that not true? Um, we matured personally. Um, we got an education. We developed a career by graduating. Uh, in lots of cases, guys had an opportunity to play at the next level, uh, whether they played baseball, football, basketball, it didn't matter. Um, so college was about developing. Where can I create the most value for my future? Um, but it's going to be about who's going to pay me the most money and use name, image, and likeness as the vehicle to do that um, through collectives, which a collective is just the opportunity for alumni who we've always tried to keep out uh, of recruiting, who we've always tried to keep out of directing money toward players. The collective creates an opportunity in a legal fashion Right, to do this and funnel money to players, right, which I'm okay with that because it's good for players. I don't know if it's a sustainable model, right, but I'm okay with that. But when you use that in recruiting, then it becomes I'm just going to go where I can get the best deal rather than focus on where can I go and create the most value for my future. And, you know, that's the part that um, – is very concerning, I think, you know, to me in terms of competitive balance. So it'll be about who wants to buy the best team. Um, and there are going to be lots of people who don't have the resources to do that. We're not one of them. So I'm not talking about Alabama getting affected in this. People think that when I talk, I'm like trying to protect Alabama. I'm really trying to protect the integrity of college athletics, not just college football. You know, people don't understand that there's only so much money to go around. All right, so how is this going to impact other programs right, that have given how many student-athletes an opportunity to compete, uh, to develop a career? If you're in track and field and you got a scholarship to go to college, it gave you an opportunity to go to the Olympics. I mean, how much is all that going to be impacted by this? Because there's only so much money to go around. All right, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, we come up with some guidelines all right, that allow us to keep the integrity of college sports intact and keep competitive balance in those sports. One of the biggest things I think even I've heard coaches differ in opinion on is what the right scheduling model is. you got two new teams coming into the conference, but I think a lot of folks love watching Alabama football. People don't get so stoked when they wake up on a Saturday morning and know Bama's favored by 48 today. And I've heard you talk a little bit lately about how you don't prefer that either. You want games that people want to see, but you can't just snap your fingers and make it happen. So, right. I mean, what? I guess I'm asking you, what is the best overall format? And 
how feasible is it to actually make it happen? Well, you know, I've coached in the NFL for eight years. So you've got 32 teams. Every rule in the NFL creates competitive balance, salary cap. Um, if you have a good season, you play a more difficult schedule. If you have a good season, you draft later. If you have a bad season, you draft earlier. I mean, everything they do is to cr try to create everybody to be 8-8 eight and eight in the NFL. Because if everybody's 8-8 eight and eight and you're coming to the last game of the season, there's going to be tremendous fan interest to see who gets in the playoffs. But when you have these teams that go 13-3 and three and they don't even play the best players at the end of the season, because they're saving them for the playoffs, how much fan interest does that create? So I think we need to respect fans, fan interest, traditions, and the integrity of those traditions in terms of how the interest that it creates in college football. All right, if attendance goes down, then how does that impact us in a positive way? So to play quality games is the most important thing. All right, but our rules don't enhance us playing quality games because you got to win, have a winning record to get in the bowl game. Why don't we do it like basketball? Have some rating system that even if you went five and seven, but you played a really good schedule and you beat some pretty good teams, you could go to a bowl game rather than trying to create a schedule where you play four teams that you know you're going to beat and if I can just win two other games, I'll be bowl eligible. And that's important to my program. And it's important to me keeping my job. All right, so, but how about the fans? Do they want to go see these games? So, you know, it was, I don't know how many years ago, six, eight years ago, I said, why don't we play nine games in the SEC? All right, now they want, they're talking about playing nine in the future. I'm saying, why don't we play ten? All right, we had one season, all right, which was a great competitive season. We didn't play one game that everybody wasn't interested in. So, would you lose more games if you played that? Probably. Would, but there would be a lot more interest, right, which I think is the most important thing. The stadium being filled. The passion and the spirit of the fans makes college football what it is. Let's protect it. You got me. Last question on the field. Everybody's excited about Will Anderson. I just want to ask you about the pass rush in general. Braswell, Dallas Turner, guys like that. I mean, how exciting is that to go out on the practice field and know that you've got that weapon in your back pocket? Well, pass rush is really, really important. And we've gone through some years where we didn't have great pass rushers, and we've gone through some years when we did. And those three guys that you mentioned are all really good pass rushers. It affects the way you can play defense. All right, you can rush four guys. You can play coverage with seven. You don't have to add extra guys into the rush. Uh, you can do simulated pass rushes because those guys are athletic and they can drop and are worried about blocking them, but now all of a sudden they're not rushing. You don't have to play a lot of man-to-man -man in the back end because you want to rush five and six guys, which puts a lot of pressure on you know, another part of your team in the back end. Uh, so just the whole way that you can play defense when you can affect the quarterback with a four-man rush and sometimes even a three-man rush, right, which creates more multiples to confuse the quarterback, which is ultimately what you're trying to do on defense. Um, so I think having those kind of guys is really, really important and uh, certainly something that can help us be a good defensive team. Nick Saban, appreciate you joining us. All right, thank you. 
And big thanks to Nick Saban for joining us today. They actually had to get out of here a little bit early. I'm told they had to skip part of Radio Row because of the weather that has rolled in. Very prophetic, as it turns out. Did you notice, though, what he said there? Because there was a lot. I really started to have my eyes open when he was talking about scheduling. And he basically shot down one of the big lies. We talk about the big lies in college football all the time on Late Kick. And one of them is you are what your record says you are which is a flat-out lie, especially in college football. But people are terrified of it, as he said. And he suggested something I don't think I've heard people suggest before, which is when you're determining strength of schedule, when you're determining how to fill out the playoff and the bowl structure, why don't you have a rating like RPI does in college basketball to where people get rewarded if they play the tougher schedule and they drop some games all 10 and 2s, all 9 and 3s, all 8 and 4s aren't treated equal, we dive deeper than that. Now, in the power rating world and the sports betting and odds making world, they've done that for a long time. What he's saying is maybe if we did that and you knew you weren't going to get crucified, you weren't going to be labeled as playing meaningless games in November because you had a few losses, maybe people would schedule up a little bit more. He also said, I'm on the hook for 10 conference games. If we want to play 10 conference games, I don't think he's going to get broad-based support for that. Because everyone else looks around and says, yeah, well, you're Alabama, we're not. You don't have to play Bama, we do. But I thought there was a lot that I kind of listened to and I kind of just nodded my head because it's really nice to hear it you know, from other people besides just on this show. But that was Nick Saban. Uh, looking forward to having more big interviews throughout the week. I want to remind you guys, it's critically important for those walking the streets of downtown Atlanta right now to have your outdoor gear covered. I sure do hope they stop by Academy Sports and Outdoors before they hit the streets today. If they didn't, we saw what a lesser umbrella would do in severe weather just moments ago while we were in that interview. Some unfortunate scenes here on the corner of Andrew Young and Marietta Street. I don't want you to fall into that trap. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, they make it possible for us to go on the road. They make it possible for us to keep this show free for you. There's no dirty paywall here because of Academy. They are your one-stop shop for all your outdoor sporting goods supplies. And if you can't get there in person, Academy.com is your hookup. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I wanted to talk for just a second about Shane Beamer. He came through today, and I appreciate you guys being tuned in live if you are. i got a big crowd here again. I wanted to talk about Shane Beamer for just a second. A lot of you were asking, hey, what would you think about his comments today, and what's the overall vibe around the South Carolina program going into year two? And I don't think it's the biggest surprise in the world to say that maybe there was a little bit of a starstruck moment, maybe a little bit overwhelmed at times last year for Shane Beamer. Uh, that is the SEC, and that's the nature of being a first-year head coach. And I also don't think people fully appreciate how much more is on the plate of a coach, new or old today, than there was even 10 years ago, than there was 20 years ago. The sport has so rapidly changed. If you guys think about it, 
you have positions in your football program now that didn't exist five years ago. You didn't have anyone scouting the transfer portal and scouting college football because the portal didn't exist in the format it does now. And I say all that to say, you've got to be a master of so much more now than you ever were before. That's why I think about Venables, a first-time head coach. Beamer, a first-time head coach. Uh, Dan Lanning at Oregon, a first-time head coach. And I appreciate how difficult it must be. Can't have experienced it, but I appreciate it. So Shane Beamer comes in year one. That's what he deals with. We always use the metaphor of trying to drink water from a fire hose. That's kind of what he tried to do last year. They won about three more games than the folks in the desert thought they would. They won more games, truthfully, than I thought they would. And that serves to be a catalyst on the recruiting trail coming out of year one. Here's what it can do going into year two. It can create a false sense of expectation. And I'm not here to say bet the under, bet the under, bet the under on Carolina. What I am here to do, though, is... Anytime someone just assumes, well, for them to improve, they have to have eight or more wins, I don't think you've looked at their schedule, and I don't really think sometimes you know how this game works overall. So South Carolina, as I've told you many times, they could be a 7-5 and five team this year with five close losses, and I'd view it as a better accomplishment than 8-4 with four blowout losses. Because ultimately, the trajectory of the program would still be heading up. But Shane Beamer came in today, and he talked a lot about how there was a lot on my plate last year, and there still is. But what I appreciate about him is, number one, he's appreciative I think I heard him say thank you about 37 times today, and I wasn't around him all day. But the other part is, I think they've made some good hires, and I think they're starting to get some traction in recruiting, and this has kind of been happening fairly recently. I know on the 24-7 sports team rankings, they're floating around 30 right now. They'll make a move. Uh, They will rapidly ascend those team rankings. But you can feel it. You can feel it from the head coach. You can feel it from the players. You can feel it from some of the support staff. Talking to some of the creative guys from Carolina today, Everybody shares the same vision. Some places, and and I don't mention them by name, but I've been around programs before, and anyone who's worked in the industry knows what I'm talking about, and fans can sense it too. You ask one person, what's this place about? You ask another person, you ask a third person, you get three different answers. That's not the case at South Carolina. They're all singing from the same hymnal, so to speak. Now, there's still a little gap between where they are roster-wise and where they're going to need to be to compete against a Georgia. I'm talking about perennially or in Alabama or in LSU. But the thing about it is, as I go back and I look in recent history, I look at what they were capable of doing in the latter portion of the aughts in the early 20-teens. And people think that's not possible anymore. And I disagree with them. I disagree wholeheartedly. If it's been done before, if Carolina dominated the state instead of Clemson before, there's nothing that says that can't happen again. You just have to match the intensity level. You've got to match recruiting. You've got to match them 10 out of 10 step for step. That can happen. And they're so happy there because they've got their guy. And when you're around the program, this is kind of what I'm getting to, you get why Carolina fans, why South Carolina fans, because I know North Carolina fans hate me saying that, you get why Gamecock fans love him. And you get why a lot of outsiders look at it and they kind of scratch their head and say, what is this guy proven? Like, why do you love him so much? And then you look back out the bubble at them and say, you just don't get it. And that's okay. You're not one of us. You don't have to get it. But in due time, we'll kind of make you get it on the field. That's the vibe that the entire South Carolina program has. And so more so than any, you know, grandiose, like, prophetic vision that Shane Beamer shared here today. There was no, you know, huge headline grabber. I know they had the social video this morning. Some of our guys love that. But what I love about him is he gets it. He he authentically gets it. He's a guy that everyone loves to be around. So... Shane Beamer, South Carolina, I think they're in a really good position. The other thing that I wanted to touch on that a number of you blew the eye, Josh, up earlier today about was this Kirby Smart quote that started to circulate. 
truthfully, we were wrapped up in interviews. So I didn't really get to see this thing when it happened. And all I did was read the quote, like apparently a lot of you did. And I said, wow. And if you haven't read the quote, basically paraphrasing here, Kirby Smart was speaking at a function in Texas today. He'll be here tomorrow. And he said, you know, I got to the point where I almost retired. You know, recruiting's a full-time job now. I was on the road the entirety of June last year. I thought about stepping away from the game. Fortunately, and I mean by the grace of God, fortunately, we were talking with the Claude father, Claude Felton, right before we go on air. And I said, Claude, what is this about your guy almost retiring? He said, did you hear the follow-up? Did you hear the context? I said, no, sir, Mr. Felton, I did not. He said, well, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. And so we do not have a segment here on Late Kick tonight where I react to Kirby Smart almost retiring. What I do want to draw your attention back to, though, chop that wood there, is after the national championship game, which we've spoken together about a few times, when he did his interview the following day with ESPN, it stuck with me that he had an opportunity to showcase his program. He's got that opportunity on the national platform to say whatever he wants to. And he, true enough, used it as a marketing tool, but he also took that opportunity to talk about how unworkable the college schedule is right now, the college calendar is right now. And you could tell it wasn't off the cuff. He's been talking about it. All these coaches behind the scenes talk about it. They want us to talk about it more. You know, they want us to beat the drum because they think drumming up public support will get them a vacation day or two. And there's just this camp out there that listens to these coaches talk about how overworked they are. And I know what you guys are thinking. I know a lot of you just got off your nine to five. I know some of you have been putting in roofs down in South Georgia all day or installing AC, two jobs I've done in that part of the state. And you don't really care about a multimillionaire complaining about his workload. I get it. I get it. I get it. What I'm trying to say from a principled standpoint is even though Kirby may have been a little bit joking with you today, he's been serious in the past about this. They have adjusted their schedule in Athens. They've given some guys days off. They've moved days around because there is a maximum capacity that a human is capable of. It doesn't matter if you pay him 10 bucks or 10 billion bucks. There is a maximum capacity someone's capable of. In other words, there is a, there is a level... And there's only so much you can put in that cup. And once you continue to pour liquid on it, it doesn't get any more full. It just overflows. And that's what a lot of coaches feel like right now. They are, they are having four classes. I want you to understand this. Four classes they simultaneously have to recruit. They also have to now re-recruit their entire roster because of the transfer portal. Oh, by the way, they have to be experts in NIL. Something that's so new, some of the officials that run the sport can't even properly articulate the guidelines on because they don't exist. And I haven't even mentioned a drill yet. You haven't even stepped on the practice field yet. Oh, by the way, sometimes you have kids at home. You got a wife. You got a sick mom you got to care about. So the whole life stuff works its way into the equation as well. Kirby Smart's going to come in here tomorrow. And I hope we get to ask him about that. Because as, as much as maybe he was joking around a little bit today, there's a lot of seriousness to that. And there's a lot of truth to that. So it's been a fun week so far. I think we're right at the halfway point, so boom, we break the tape there. Now we've got to turn around run all the way back. Uh, big day tomorrow. Sam Pittman and Arkansas are in here. we got Georgia in here. Who else do we have in here? we got Kentucky coming in. we got Florida. So we got a bunch of SEC East, and we got Arkansas coming in. I appreciate you guys so much being tuned in. Be sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel and like the video. It is because of you and because of you only and Big Game Dane and his crew, admittedly, that we're able to take this thing on the road. So you guys, Academy, BGD, thank you so much. Uh, for all of our crew here, thank you guys. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Until then, take care, stay dry, and God bless you.